You have killed. And you will kill again. What is going on? It's uh, this is ex some exciting stuff. Uh, as you guys know, if if you clicked on this because you're a fan of the the House of Wax show, you know that it's been through a couple of different uh, variations. You know, I started doing the solo thing first, and it became too much work for one person. And you know, I kind of like talking to people, so uh, kind of got away from that. And it's gone through some different phases here, but I'm really really excited about what we're doing here now. And uh, this all happened, believe it or not, at my work. Uh, I met a guy at work who was kind of a big movie freak as well, and we kind of went back and forth. And I don't know, it just kind of happened, hey, we should do something together. And, and lo and behold, I had this show that was sitting there not doing anything. So we're going to, what's the word for it, blow the dust off of it and uh, put some shiny new wheels on it and make this thing roll on down the world road. So welcome on back to House of Wax. And it's going to be a whole lot of fun. And one thing for sure uh, I'm excited about as well is not only do I get to podcast about horror movies, which I've yet to have a show where it was just horror. I'm excited about that. But not only that, but I get my buddy, my short bus companion, Mr. Johnny Crew with me. He makes me sound like I know horror movies. But this guy is the bee's knees. Uh, that kind of ties into the movie, doesn't it? Johnny Krug, what's happening, brother? What is up, man? Cool. This is, uh, I'm stoked, man. This is going to be awesome. It's going to be a whole lot of fun, man. And like I was saying earlier, the guy that I met at work, is uh, he's he's a newbie uh, as far as getting into podcasting and stuff. This is his first show. So uh, excited to bring him on board. And uh, everybody say hello to Mr. Levi Garrett. What's up, Levi? Hold on, I'm going to wait for the claps that are coming in, guys. Oh, wait, there isn't any. All right, so <laughs> I want to say thank thank you uh, to Ricky for letting me be a part of this show. I'm super humbled, and I'm super excited to be a part of it. Yeah, um, I recently, I say recently, over the last couple of years, got into podcasting, listening to them, really just became fascinated with it because I love getting my voice heard. Like I have so I'm so passionate about so many different topics in the world and horror movies being one one of the main ones. I uh I remember as a kid, like my dad would always get me into horror movies. Anything that was coming out. I mean, I'm I'm twenty nine years old, so I mean I'm a, I'm a younger horror fan, but he got me into some, Youngin'. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Freddy, Jason, Leprechaun. Uh I remember Stephen King. I mean, it was all of that stuff that got me started and I don't know I can't tell you what it is that draws me into them. I mean, it's just like uh, I I watch them and I I I don't know. I get some weird feeling. I guess it's I guess I'm hoping for a happy ending, so I watch the next one. Yeah, I don't get. But you don't reenact them, right? No, <laughs> n only only on days that only on the weekends. You know, mostly Saturdays and Sundays. But uh, we ain't gonna tell nobody about that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> I have I love I love all things horror. I mean anything from vampire movies all the way to I've recently got into extreme horror and uh, just I guess seeing what how far I can push myself to get through the stuff that goes on in those movies because there's so much stuff to where I mean I'm sure even the biggest horror fan will watch it and be like oh man that's that's terrible but I can't look away it's kind of like Roadkill. <laughs> but yeah, man, I'm I am a huge exactly horror right. movie buff, and I'm super humbled that you guys uh, are allowing me to be a part of the show. Oh, dude, I'm glad you're you're on here, man. And, and one thing yeah. that that really got my attention is uh, just the little bit I know about you is that you are into the extreme horror, which is I don't know that's a that's a genre that I, I've I've seen quite a bit of stuff in, but I feel I still feel like I'm not very well versed in a lot of that. So that'll be cool to to do some of that on here too. That was kind of the idea of this. I thought, man, it'd be great because, you know, I come from that that late sixties, early seventies kind of slow burn and work my way up into the eighties stuff. Johnny is a slasher guru, and then now we've got you on board. It's covering a lot of the newer stuff and getting into the extreme stuff. So it's going to be interesting to see all these movies and talk about them from all these different perspectives. And I just really think it's going to make for a fun time and some great conversations, man. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's the thing is, like, the extreme horror, I just recently got into it. My buddy, a very good friend of mine, he's a fellow horror uh, horror fanatic, he got me into it. And we set out on this journey, we say, to uh, he's looking for the most fucked up film ever made. And I was like, man... You know, I, that sounds crazy to me, but then he put me on a couple different films. Um, Inside is one of them, and then uh, he got me into Frontiers, which is a French horror film and stuff, and I was just like, wow. Yeah. I was like, what the hell am I watching, and why can't I look away? So... <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, man. Right. I mean, I, and I've I've joined that journey with him, and it's opened up a whole new world of horror for sure. Oh, for sure, dude. Yeah, I, I hear stuff all the time, man. I'm 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 part of a group on Facebook that, uh, man, they they always suggest like extreme horror titles, and some of them, I just I read a lot of the stuff, just you know, on IMDb what the movie contains, and I'm like, holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's and it may be a side of us getting older too, Johnny, because you kind of look at me and you go, "Yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> I may set that one out." But you know, that's it, and Levi was right on the money while ago. For me, it was the same deal because it's all about pushing yourself. I mean, I didn't grow up as a risk taker. I didn't go out and drive fast cars. I wasn't a real partier or nothing. So my adrenaline rush was try to scare me. You know, give me the roller coaster ride and and let's see how far I can go. And uh, that's the thrill of this, and you know. And I wanted to say with Levi too, you know, part of part of the reason what makes you a horror fan is probably because you're just kind of screwed up in the head. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you got to have that little bit of screwed up side to you. That's right. For Levi joining us, and then and Johnny here as well. You know, this this came up at work. It was like, you know, when when Levi said my favorite movie of all time is is sleepaway camp i was like i'm gonna like this guy and uh so in honor of that that's the movie we're gonna cover today man so what we're gonna do right now we're gonna take a little short break we're gonna play some uh, some advertisements for some other shows that you need to be checking out and we're gonna come back and we're gonna jump head first into sleepaway camp 
Hey, Andrew. Hey, Maddie. Do you like horror movies? I sure do. Well, did you know that most horror movies are inspired by real-life horror? Really? Like what? Well, take The Shining, for instance. That's based on Stephen King's real-life addictions, or The Purge, which could be our country any minute now. Oh, and The Strangers, which is based on a real-life murder. People should be talking about these things. Hey, Guys. Oh, oh, hey, Producer, producer Michael. Michael oh, well, I hate to break it to you, but somebody already is. It's you. <gasps> That's right. We are Friday the 13th, the podcast where we talk about horror in real life and horror in media, all from an LGBTQ perspective. Because we gay, y'all. We are proud members of the Legion Podcast Network, and we can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Come along with us on this crazy journey, and as always, get slayed. Hello? Hello, who is this? Who are you trying to reach? I don't know. Oh, I think you've got the wrong number. Do I? I'm going to hang up. Wait, don't hang up. What's that noise? Popcorn? You're making popcorn? Uh-huh. I only eat popcorn when I listen to podcasts. I'm about to listen to a podcast. Oh, really? Which one? Probably the podcast on Haunted Hill. Is that the one with the two guys with the beards? Uh, yeah, Dan and Gav. Most episodes, they look at two different horror movies. Each episode, they look at a world of a strange, where they look at weird things from around the world. Sometimes, they even do special episodes where they look at different genres or directors' discographies and talk about them. Do you have a boyfriend? Maybe. So where can I find the podcast on Haunted Hill? Well, you can go to legionpodcast.com, Facebook, Twitter, or just go into iTunes and search for the podcast on Haunted Hill. So, are you going to ask me out? Dear Mom and Dad, I've been at a sleepaway camp for almost three weeks, and I'm getting very scared. Welcome to sleepaway camp. Someone is watching you. Hey, Baba Reba! Someone is waiting for you. Someone wants to scare you to death. Turn it! Turn the wheel! Oh my god! Sleepaway camp. You won't be coming home. And we're back with Sleepaway Camp from 1983. The IMDb score for this is a very gracious 6.3, which I think, I don't know, I think it could probably get a few points higher than that. Um, but this movie is written and directed by Robert Hiltzik, and he only did this in 2008's Return to Sleepaway Camp, which I'm sure eventually we'll get to on the show. Um, it, it is. It would probably be on <laughs> short bus if I had to Yeah. Guess. Short, yeah, short bus is <laughs> it's definitely a contender for that. Um, and this movie stars Felissa Rose, Jonathan Tierston, Karen Fields, and I don't know if you guys saw this, but uh, our own Ricky, Ricky, uh, you're actually in the movie as Ronnie. 
<laughs> yep, and I have the shorts to prove it. Oh, it's I hope because... you retired those. <laughs> because um, my my wife is like, man, that guy looks like Steve Perry. I was like, so does Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> um, Steve Perry. <laughs> <laughs> no more journey stike outs. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the plot synopsis of this movie, Angela Baker, she's a traumatized and very shy young girl. She's sent away to a summer camp with her cousin. Shortly after her arrival, anyone with sinister or less than honorable intentions get their comeuppance. And uh, I didn't read that beforehand, but I mean, uh, yeah, immediately when you get into this movie, I mean, there's some pretty deplorable people. <laughs> But uh, I'll let you. I'll let you start it out, Ricky. Uh, well, I mean, you know, we get this uh, the, the the kind of fade in going on here. From uh, obviously, it's fall. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one thing that kind of threw me was like, well, it's it's fall and we're doing sleepaway camp, but okay, that'll work. You know, you're you're coming into the scene and you're basically just getting a. I hate to say it, but I'm going to say it. Friday the Thirteenth kind of opening ripoff because you've got sound effects going on in the back and you've got this kind of orchestrated soundtrack going on which really is not something you can hum which we'll talk about there's a lot of humming in this movie that you're like what are they even humming but anyways (laughs) (laughs) you open that up and then it transfers to the the scene on the water and uh the first problem that that i saw was okay we're on this little sailboat but we're right off the dock so I don't know. I don't think that's much of a risk taker <laughs> if you're just going to sit on the boat right at the edge of the dock. They didn't make it very far before having to relax. <laughs> <laughs> this is good right here. We just got the boat in the water, we Bob. Just, we don't have to get very far. This is perfect. <laughs> but it's basically a dad and a little boy and little girl, which you're assuming are brothers and sisters, and, and they're out on this boat, and they're just chilling. The dad's all laid back, sprawled out. Getting some sun, I guess, in the fall sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way this leaf hits and, my uh, eye. I will. I will say this. I really like this scene because it sets up this like uh, this real like playful relationship with the uh, the father and the two kids. And uh, meanwhile, sure. while that's going on, you have this like fucking chaos <laughs> going on on the other side of the lake. <laughs> Oh, gotta yeah, ha- the whole boating scene is just is just hilarious. Oh, you got to get the horny teenagers involved, you know. I mean, he's trying to impress the girl in his super short, short shorts that he probably borrowed from Ronnie. There was a scene where my <laughs> wife said, she said, where it cut really fast to the guy driving the boat, and she's like, I'm pretty sure I almost saw a, a nut. <laughs> uh, and the poor girl back there that they're dragging behind on the skis. I love the fact that she's always trying to have a conversation with them. I don't <laughs> If you've ever been on a boat pulling somebody on skis, but you really can't communicate. No. <laughs> She's like, can we stop now? Can we please slow down? And they're just not paying attention whatsoever. <laughs> and I love this time period of movies because, especially the low budget stuff, because this is the way you just get character development. We don't get drawn in. And I mean, this thing happens in the matter of not even a minute into the film. We're getting some chaos going on, and everything's going fine. We're having fun on the lake. The kids are playing. The dad's getting some sun. He's got some other dude on the beach looking at him going, hey, what's up? Right? <laughs> and, then you, and then you got uh, our kids out here that are in the boat riding around, and everything goes fine. And all my woke people's not going to like this, but we decide to let the lady drive the boat, and we just know bad <laughs> things are going to happen when a woman's going to drive. Shit. <laughs> 
So what what happens next, Levi? Oh man, he lets that he's trying to get in that girl's pants, and she he's just gonna scoot <laughs> over and let her on into the seat. And, oh man, why would you why would you even speed up the boat? I mean, she's like, no, go faster, no, don't go faster. I mean, that's a horrible idea. And so they kick it throttle up to the ground and. I mean, you just know something bad's going to happen now. I mean, they're turning, looking back at the girl who you probably can't hear on the skis, but they're going to act Who's like Who's in sheer her. terror. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and then by this time, you got the guy that was, look, check. I mean, maybe checking out the dad. I don't know. He was, he's like, oh, hey, oh, you, yeah. got, you got a boat coming for you. You better watch out. Nobody's seeing them until the ski girl. I mean, of everybody that is going to see these people yeah. is the ski girl. Can I can I go ahead and can I go ahead and just say right yeah. now that every time I watch this movie, I will say that hands down the most acting in this entire movie is from the girl on the skis. She, I mean, everybody in this movie really gives it their all, but this girl, man, she she goes like just above and beyond. I mean, her screams and her her terror are, it's through the roof, oh. man. It's just through the roof. Oh, her screams, man, it's terrible. It is one of those scenes where I'm like, God, her acting is so good. I want to ch- turn this off. Please end this scene. Like, this is, oh, it's brutally hurting my ears. <laughs> I just love the fact of when a boat is coming at you, and and there's obviously a lot of distance because the camera, you get this POV shot from the boat, like the boat is the monster coming after them. (laughs) It's a good, I don't know, 40 yards away, and they can't turn the steering wheel? I'm just like, uh, what's the deal here? But yeah, I mean, and, and everybody is just swimming in one spot. Now, I'm no scientist, but swimming away... Is normally how you get away from things. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, they were close enough to the dock. I mean, come on now. You probably could have did a swift jump, right. and you would have made it. Well, they probably were only knee-high water. They probably could have just stood up and then <laughs> walked on the bank. <laughs> but, anyways, it's an awesome scene. You get some travesty right here, and... You know, you see some bodies floating, but you're not really sure what's what. You know that the dad is floating. And uh, you see one of the, the life preservers come up out of the water, and it's all mangled up, or maybe the boat propeller chewed it up or something. So you know some, some dramatic stuff happened here. The weird thing about the scene is that the dad's floating face down, and you assume maybe like he got hit like with like the blunt side of the boat and knocked out but then you see the chewed up life vest floating next to him like man <laughs> like he must have bled out fast oh <laughs> uh, and yeah i mean and it's like you said the the lady that's you know on the skis is somebody help him oh my god oh, somebody it's just like wow yeah like wow calm down <laughs> And like all great horror movies do, it says uh, it just it fades out and goes to eight years later, and we get the scene that I've actually had to stop rewind and show my wife two or three times because we're at the house where <laughs> cousin Ricky is uh it's his house and he's living with his mom who's referred to as the doctor. We got a little conversation going on at the lake before about they're going to see cousin Ricky and the doctors coming to see him all this kind of stuff and. Uh, there's some backstory to all this, I'm assuming. We'll talk about it later on. But uh, the mom in this situation, Rick's mom, mm. and of course, 
Angela, there's a girl that's living with them, is, which is Ricky's cousin. So you're starting to put the pieces together. Okay. So this is the, the girl that was left from this accident, and now she's living with her cousin Ricky and their space cadet mom. Mm-mm-mm. This lady, man. This lady. <laughs> Possibly one of my favorite uh, characters in a horror movie ever. Like, she's a definitely top ten. Gotta be. I mean, this woman. Somebody had to say, perfect. That's great. You mm-hmm. nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And I'll tell you guys, oh, this man. this scene right here, it, it is so awesome for this film because you know something's going down. You know something's up. Like, you, the way that she, her demeanor, the way that she moves, the way that she talks, everything she says, you, you're like, this woman is going to play an intricate part in this film. I mean, she's got to. I mean, there's there's no way no normal person can act like this. It's kind of like in those classic horror films where you get the creepy old guy at the gas station. I mean, turn back now. Right. You know, this is that that film's creepy old guy at the gas station. I mean, everything from what she's doing, she's like, there's something I forgot. Hmm, wasn't that clever of me? It's just like, oh, she's going to play a part in this. That wouldn't do at all. I even tied a string around my finger so I wouldn't forget. Well, you know, there's the string. Reminds, so bizarre. Reminds so me of bizarre. people in my family, you know, like after a uh, like Xanax, Lithium, and Johnny Walker cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving! <laughs> oh, but no, and when she, before she came on screen, when it cut to the title card saying, you know, eight years later, I told Steph, my wife, I said, hey, I said, you got you to watch this. This is great. <laughs> this is one of my favorite characters ever. <laughs> because this woman, she's only in the movie for, for a, a short amount of time, I mean, very short, but she, she chews every piece of that scenery. It's so cool because she is probably, and I realized this from the comments on our Facebook page, you know, I, I saw so many people were talking about her. I was like, it's crazy to me how a woman who was literally in the movie for maybe five minutes tops has become one of the more iconic characters in the in all of horror if you ask me well the performance is right up there with pretty much everybody in the cast of troll 2 and it's that (laughs) level of acting so she would have fit in that movie perfectly but we you know we get the scene where she comes up what she forgot the reason she tied the string around her finger is because she had their their physicals that they have to have to go to camp and this is another one of those things where you're not really thinking much of it, but there's a reasoning behind it. But don't if they ask you how you got those, you don't tell them. So she's just you're just thinking this lady's wacko. And uh, from this point, it kind of flashes to the the campers arriving. You got a bus pulling up or several buses pulling up. Now, guys, I've been to camps before. Never in my life. Have the kids been so excited to go to camp? <laughs> These kids are running full steam with their suitcases in their hand like, This is the best thing on the planet! And, uh, yeah. Yeah, man, I haven't. Yeah, no, not at all. I have, I've have. i been to sleepaway camp a, a lot of times, and seeing them running, boy, I ain't run that fast with some suitcases since I was in the Army. I mean, you got drill sergeants yelling at you. I mean... <laughs> There wasn't no drill sergeants yelling at them. They shouldn't be running. And while they're running full speed to their cabins, I guess, 
we get some character development. We get to meet the guy that's running the place, Mel. <laughs> man, he's a caricature, it's, man. Oh, man, I can go on and on about his wardrobe, man. That's amazing <laughs> what this guy's wearing. <laughs> uh, and then uh, the, the guy playing Mel is Mike Kellen, which, I mean, he, he's in Midnight Express. He's in, you know, Just Before Dawn, which would probably be a movie we cover on here. Uh, God Told Me To. So he's in some some um, considered underground classics as far as horror goes. And he actually passed away this year, that year. Oh, really? Yeah, the same year this came out. Wow. Holy smokes. I didn't know that. But yeah, man, he's standing out there in his checkered pants with a white belt, smoking a cigar, yelling, Come on! Move your butt! You're not moving fast! I'm telling you, these kids are sprinting, man! And he's like, You're moving too slow! I'm like, What kind of camp is this, man? <laughs> That's the drill sergeant. There it is. That's why they were running. And we, all got, we also get a flash of Ron right here, and mm. he's got his black shorts on. He's like the Italian stallion standing there. He's all beefed up, you know. And, uh... <laughs> and then you see the lunchroom staff. Mm. Now these guys talk about some real winners here, man. It's almost like they didn't. even... Do you not do a background check on people that's going to be working at the camp? Not back then. I guarantee you, these guys wouldn't have made it through. <laughs> well, I mean, the the first guy's like, "Look at all that young meat," <laughs> and, then, and he's like, "I call them baldies." <laughs> oh God! This is a topic about the movie I wanted to touch on. This movie was so. It was so shocking, like in all, like shock factor after shock factor after shock factor, because you had all this stuff that in '83 when it came out, they weren't doing this kind of stuff in movies. I mean, you got pedophilia right there. I mean, that dude is obviously looking at, I mean, everything as in the wrong ways, and so that was shocking in itself because you didn't see a whole lot of it back then. But uh, also another another right. fun fact about this film the the uh, the black man that was actually on the staff that's yeah. that's actually James Earl Jones's brother. No, it's his dad. Oh, it's his dad. Yeah. Okay, I'm dad. sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. But yeah, yeah Dar- that, Darth Darth Vader's dad. <laughs> yeah. Like wow, Mufasa is Mufasa's dad. I mean, <laughs> you, you, you know what I have a problem with. As likable as the character is that um, Robert Earl Jones plays, he he just laughs it off as like, "Oh, you're you're something else, aren't you?" To the guy who's talking about molesting the kids, I'm like, dude, you probably shouldn't. <laughs> what? Oh yeah, that's such a great scene, though. Yeah, that's what great I scene. that's what I put him down as, Fat Lebowski. <laughs> uh. So at this point, so we kind of get past the gross guys that are standing here looking at all the kids and making googly eyes at them. You get Rick and Angela walking around, and he's showing her around and says, you know, here's the racquetball court, here's the tennis ball court, there's the pool. And, uh, you know, you can tell she's just kind of zoned out. And then we get to meet our good (laughs) buddy Paul. Paul's trying to make a scene. He's buddies of Rick, and he's trying to say hi to Angie. And, of course, you can tell she's just, you know, she's zoned out, like I said. We get some conversation about <laughs> another girl that's in the movie, Judy, who's a real peach. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> lovely girl. She also she also looks like she's about thirty. 
compared to the other kids. Exactly. That's what I was thinking, too. It's like when, you know, they talk about, well, Rick said, you know, well, she and I, we were going steady last year. And I looked at her, I was like, man, she's almost twice your age, you know? (laughs) 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 Go Rick, right? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, hey, applaud you, man. Cougars before they were cool. Well, he said he said she she really filled out too, and I'm like I'm like he hasn't seen a lot of women apparently because <laughs> she was rocking like like a B cup at most, man. Well, but at, at thir- best, at and thirteen, that's with, I mean, at thirteen, this is probably you know kablawi. So oh, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Hey, just for the listeners, there's nothing wrong with that. I I am a fan <laughs> of all all sizes. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Do not get down on yourself. God bless you, everyone. Let's give an honorable mention to Judy's side ponytail because that dude right there was the the winner. I mean, right up there with the girl in the boat scene. I mean, great acting. And that's the thing, too, because, you know, I I love when people say they're going to have an 80s party and everybody dresses up. And they don't dress like the 80s. If they dress like these kids did, that's the 80s. This is the 80s I remember. This is the way the kids dressed back then. Oh, dude, yeah. <laughs> when guys were wearing, like, you know, like one sixteenth of a shirt. <laughs> right, right. And usually it was a Miller Lite shirt or a Budweiser shirt. It was cut off, and you wore the short shorts and long tube socks. Hell, yeah. Maybe an occasional cowboy hat. Who knows? Uh, hey, Ricky pulled that off well in that movie. So, we're seeing Judy, and you can tell she's already, she's a snob, man. She's developed. She's got all the boys standing around her, and Rick comes by and says, Hey, Judy. And she's like, Hey. And don't even pay attention to him. So he's all <laughs> kind of heartbroken, thinking she's thinking she's better than he is, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and it just moves on to uh, Judy coming in. You're starting to get to the to the actual cabins now, and Angela's in there with all the girls, and obviously she's the outcast. And we get to meet Meg. Woo! This girl, man, she makes Judy look like an angel. I mean, if you ask me, this girl is probably the biggest snob I've ever seen on film. And that's what's so cool about it. That's another thing I love about it is, like, there are so many snobby kids in this film. And I'm just like, God, I want to beat the hell out of y'all. <laughs> oh, and, and and the kids in this movie, like like Ju- Judy and Meg and, and the, the two guys later in the movie, they're, they're not afraid to just, like, totally team up on, an, uh, you know, a young 13, 14-year-old right. girl and just torment her. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> terrible. Tag teaming it. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> and and that's the thing too, man. Because again, this is going back to camp. These are the kind of people I remember. I mean, you know, people talk about bullying now. No, man, these were the bullies. <laughs> it was a different level than somebody just calling you a name. They would literally grab you by the neck and shake you back and forth. And go. Why don't you talk to me? Oh yeah, like like now it's like they they uh, dox you on the internet. Back then you became part of the flagpole. <laughs> <laughs> so we kind of go through the situation here where you know uh, you, you're getting introduced to all the bad girls, and Angie's right in the middle of it. And we go to lunch. I don't know. I guess this is a few days later. I guess because they say she hasn't eaten in several days. And again, Meg's just being an a hole to her. So Ron comes over. And decides to take her to the kitchen to find her some food. Oh <laughs> she no! Takes, he takes her in there to meet the big, <laughs> uh, the fat Lebowski, 
And uh, he acts like he's being all nice. And then out of nowhere, hey, there's a telephone call for you in the front office. Uh, the Italian stallion goes to answer the phone and leaves her all alone with the fat Lebowski, which is not a good idea. Oh, even in the least. And this is another This is another scene, though. And this is, I'll even throw like some animation in there. Shock factor number two. Like, you got uh, this, the shock factors in this film are so crazy, because then you go from the creepy Fat Lebowski, who is checking out the girls, and then you're going to put a girl alone in the freezer with him. Like, wow. All right, well, this, here we and this dude, This dude hits all the notes, too, man, like, perfectly, because, you know, it's like, she hasn't eaten in days, and he's like, hey, baby, you want you want an ice cream bar or something? <laughs> <laughs> it's like... You're going to... What? <laughs> Get her a sandwich or some soup, man. Like, <laughs> he's going to start feeding her an ice cream bar. Let me, let me ask you, what would you do for a Klondike bar? <laughs> <laughs> not not a damn thing. <laughs> oh, man. Then, long story short, he takes her into the walk-in... I don't know, fridge, I guess it is, and starts undoing his pants. And then who comes and saves the day? That's right. Ricky comes in. And I, I want to point this out, too, because it's like, so far, the script has been written by, I don't know, Roger Corman. And it's like, when we get to the count from there on, it's like the script is written by Andrew Dice Clay. <laughs> Scorsese. I mean, every word is just, you know, it's just incredible. And Ricky is the best at it, man. Matter of fact, I think he said it's kind of how he got the job. They want to see how many, you know cuss words he could throw out in you know 20 seconds and he won <laughs> yeah man the director uh told him to come in and first try out and he said uh he wanted him to act like he was cussing him out yeah. and he said i just uh yeah jonathan tierston said i just let him have it i threw yeah. it all out online and they they gave him the part yeah and i i love this character like i mean he has some of the best lines in this movie so Rick walks in there, and dude's being like Joe Biden with his pants down and, and just starts ripping him a new one. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, he slams Ricky up against the door and stuff, then all of a sudden they, they break it up and they run out. And and it's funny because even at that point, you know, Mel standing there, and he's like, what were you doing in there? And he comes out still buckling his belt on his pants. Oh, I must have scared him. I'm like, drinking a beer. <laughs> drinking a beer, mind you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, again, it, it's it's using that formula that kind of made you know Friday the Thirteenth and all these movies really work because just like uh, Johnny was saying earlier, they, these are the people that get what they deserve. You cut to a little later on, and we decided we're going to boil some corn on the cob for everybody at camp. Mm-hmm. I don't understand this philosophy either. I mean, I know it's a setup for what's about to happen, but if I'm feeding, I don't know, eighty kids. Corn on the cob's probably not it. It's probably going to be corn in a can. <laughs> and another thing, that damn pot, that pot he's putting the corn in, I ain't ever seen a pot that tall. Humongous. That thing was as tall as I am, and I'm six foot tall. <laughs> it takes it takes seven hours for that thing to get warm enough to start boiling, man. <laughs> Anyways, we're boiling. We're going to put the corn in, and I think the guys are going to go hang out and look at some more young girls or something, some more 11 years old or whatever. <laughs> Why was the pot so high, man? This, I've been looking this... at Walmart for, for months for a pot that size just to say I have one, and I ain't found one yet. <laughs> well, well, you have to ask, you have to go to Home Depot and ask them for the Dahmer 
Oh. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> well, no, seriously though, he has to get on a stool just to season it. Mm. So you can kind of see where this is going. He gets up there, he's messing with it, and all of a sudden you see a POV of some hands coming in and grabbing the chair that he's standing on and start pulling the chair. And let's let's just bring this out because this is an elephant in the room as well. Because we all know how this movie ends. If you don't know how this movie ends, then then you know you may want to watch the movie first. But let's talk about the arm strength that has to happen here. <laughs> because the fat Lebowski is no small dude. He's probably, I'd say, at least 250. Oh, at least. Yeah, I would say more least. than that, but yeah. At least. Standing full-bodied on a chair, a wooden chair, and we're going to reach down with basically one hand and pull this chair out from under him. That's some strength, yo. That's some, that's some uh, what's the word, torque. My wife says, "Yeah, that's like it's obviously a guy's hand," and I'm like, "I don't know." <laughs> well, and that, that, that's why I love. The yeah, movie, that is man. one of those things that they kind of had to think about too. You know, they didn't pull the Argento thing where you just put gloves on and then you never can tell. See, they, they do a good job of setting up the red herring for this because, like you said, you're you're paying attention to this kind of stuff. Most amazing thing about the film is it's so unpredictably predictable. Like you, it's your classic classic horror film. You're like, I, I think I know who the killer is through the whole movie, and then it gets to the ending, and you're like, Whoa, didn't see that coming, dude. You just nailed the description of every Italian horror movie right then, because this movie could easily be a, an Italian horror flick. I mean, it's got that kind of weird twist. Wait, to it. wait a minute, it wasn't Italian, even though Ronnie was in it. <laughs> <laughs> when the killer had braided knuckle hair. <laughs> Needless to say, with the, what, what makes this movie work as well, and you got to hand it to them, man. Yeah, it's low budget. Yeah, you got some shaky acting. You got some okay dialogue. These effects hold up, man. So Big Lebowski falls on the ground, bucket water's all over him, and dude is just bubbling, man. Blisters coming up all over him. It's a really great effect. His his acting here, it... it rivals the girl in the skis at the beginning <laughs> and it goes on forever like screaming <laughs> really good effects and uh that's one of the things I, I still say that really holds up in this movie is like man you know these are still these still pass you know what i like about the scene though the scene that follows this is the cops or whatever show up and they're they're hauling this guy off and then in an ambulance all bandaged up like the mummy and the the cops like He's like, yeah, man, that's yeah, just a horrible thing to happen to him. And then someone else will say something, and he's like, man, it must be like every nerve ending's just going off at the same time in pain. And then someone else says something, and he's like, God, it's like fire ants are eating his butthole. <laughs> like, it's just like random stuff. It's like, Jesus, dude. Like, he just keeps adding on to the... It's like, you are a real cop, right? Or whatever the hell that guy is. The only thing more disgusting... Then him getting the water dumped on in the, in the blisters is probably those two fly strips that are hanging over the <laughs> over the pots and pans. <laughs> Things got I don't know. It is full of flies, and I'm like, yeah, that's the '80s, man. We didn't care. I love how you I love how you go from seeing a man who is literally blistering on the floor to all right, guys, let's get dinner ready. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that's that's the thing is, uh, yeah. Mel Mel tells him he's like he's like. Well, uh, Robert Earl Jones is like, well, I don't know if I can feed a whole camp, sir. He has a, I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there. He has a very southern, very like plantation right. uh, demeanor right. about him. And it's uncomfortable. Yeah. It's very uncomfortable. But 
But but Mel's like, how does a an extra dollar an hour sound? <laughs> like that. And I'm like, yeah, that should cover it. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's, he asks him, he's like, how about a fifty? How about fifty dollars a week extra? And then he tells yeah, the guys, he tell the he tells the young kids who look like they've been out back doing God knows what. But he's like, how does fifteen dollars an extra a week sound? And they're like, oh yeah, here we go. <laughs> You gotta remember, then this is when you made like two dollars and fifty cents, and that was minimum wage. So you know that was that was a deal. So hey, you know what goes on longer than dude laying there screaming his head off and his eyes out is the baseball game. Oh, dude, man! I think you see like a full inning. Oh man! <laughs> oh, easily, easily. And going back to talking about how Judy looks like she's twice her age. Let's talk about Bill, man. Like this dude. <laughs> This dude's got like the chest hair of champions out there and got a full eight pack and has done hit puberty four times. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mean and and I think he's wearing the least amount of clothes too. <laughs> he's wearing basically he's wearing like Daisy Dukes like he's in an early nineties rap video. Uh. And, and the the cutoff shirt that's just right right below nipples. Oh, and in the middle of all this, we get another character too, man. We got to talk about Mozart, freaking Mozart, man. Oh, oh man. yeah, that poor oh, kid. Man. He looks like a little Dahmer. That kid looks like like well, a young Jeffrey. You know Dahmer. what? I always thought they should follow this up with you know a, a Mozart movie because I'm pretty sure he snapped. <laughs> He'd have to after that. See, that's a scene we didn't talk to talk about. I think it was right before the uh, right before the baseball game yeah. where he takes Ricky's butt cheek to the right, face. Yeah. I mean, yeah, mind over matter. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, look, look the look at oh, yeah, look at the abilities oh. that Mozart has though, because he's out there playing his techno game, right? So he's he's super nerd before we even get- had you know. Pokemon and all this stuff. He's out there playing an electronic boxing game and still catches the ball, man. Nerds, and everybody you know, need to step surprised. it up, man. Mozart's got your number. That, that was pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I love the game he's playing, too, because it's like, it's even before the, the Tiger games. It's right. like really old school. And I, this is another episode, another scene that I really enjoyed in the movie because something weird one of my childhood favorites has always been the goonies and i loved it because it was like the kids cussing and all that stuff and it was so cool just because you know kids are gonna cuss no matter what i mean it's gonna happen and so just to hear these damn kids talk about talk to each other like they are out on the field i'm like yeah i remember that (laughs) i remember that don't tell mom and dad like (laughs) well you get one of the one of the greatest lines in the movie where he's like He's like, eat shit and die, Ricky. He's like, eat shit and live, Bill, or whatever his name is. Yeah. <laughs> oh. He even um, says, he blows dead dogs. I'm like, well, who comes up with this stuff? <laughs> and here's another question, though. In this scene, you hear them bet at the beginning. They're like, I can't right. remember what the what the money money is. They're like, I bet you however much money on the on every run you get. And then at the end of it, they hit like, they said they won like 16. I'm like, holy shit, where are these kids getting money like this? <laughs> probably Mel. Mel's probably gambling on it. Yeah. You know, one thing here, though, like, uh, th- th- there's a, there are a ton of red herrings in this movie. And I was telling my wife about that when we were watching it because, you know, she she's like me. When you watch a Giallo or a slasher whodunit, you're trying to figure out who the killer is. But this movie, every... Almost every scene has a different person who could be the killer. Like, 
during the baseball game, you have the, the, the opposing team who they're like, oh, we'll get them back. We'll get those guys. And then later, the, the same thing kind of happens with the girls and it happens with Ricky and, and, and everybody's basically plotting revenge. So you're like, okay, but which one's snapped? <laughs> which one's killing people? <laughs> and that's another thing I love about it is, is the fact that every person that dies in this movie, you're almost rooting for the killer. I mean, if you really think about it, every person that dies in this movie, you're like, well, that person's a real cock bag, but I'm so glad to see that they got off. <laughs> you're right. You're right. And I think that's a problem we have now is now we don't care enough about the character. So you, you're like, yeah, you know, I don't care if these people do get killed off or not. And it's weird. You end up somehow either rooting for, well, that jaw changed in the 80s, too. You got to where you rooted for the bad guy to kill a bunch of people. And, uh, you know, that's a weird change of psychology for people, if you think about it. But, yeah, uh, you know, that's something that I've struggled with with current films. I'm like, yeah, I, you know, I don't care if these people live or die. I just get them off my TV. Oh, absolutely, man. And new movies do not know how to how to set up characters to root for. <laughs> yeah. Not at all. So, at this point, we've kind of gotten past the ball game, and it's social time. And we got these dudes running around trying to find girls to go skinny dipping with them. Um, and here's one thing I want to say, guys. I don't know if you know this or not, but girls love Blue Oyster Cult t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I shouldn't have got this, rid of mine. If this movie could afford could afford some uh, royalties for these bands or whatever, man, they had Loverboy posters, mm-hmm. they had Blue Oyster Cult shirts. This would have been a good soundtrack. Heck yeah, man. And this is this is the scene, man. This is where Rick and Paul show up, <laughs> and Rick comes in with that kick-ass cowboy hat, man. <laughs> oh man, oh. looking like Lou Ferrigno and Garth Brooks had a baby. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what's funny? I have a cowboy hat just like that. <laughs> I mean, just <laughs> like it. It is that huge. <laughs> and it's from the 80s. Oh, man. I have to find it and show you a picture. It's Because when I saw it, I was like, dang, dude's named Ricky, and I've got a cowboy hat just like that. <laughs> oh. So he comes in, man. You can already tell he's ready to, 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 to rumble because he's got the hat on. He's feeling cocky. And he sees the guys. Oh, this scene, the guys are talking to Angie, man. What can you say? I mean, <laughs> to her mm. face. Yeah, you're a Fruit Loop, ain't you? Yeah. Told you she's messed up. Look at her. Well, these guys are clearly older, too. They're older than the rest of them. You know, every, everybody in this movie deserves to die. <laughs> Let's just go ahead and put it out there. <laughs> <laughs> End with well, the you, saddest well, ending ever. <laughs> well, you know what I like, though, is, is and, and I say I like, you know, being not so serious, is every adult in this movie is just is pretty much worthless. I mean... <laughs> You know, there are adults in the rec hall, and, and they're just letting these two guys torture Angela. Like, Mel Mel doesn't want anything to do with it. Right, they're just standing over there watching. I think the like. most responsible... I literally think the most responsible adult in the entire movie was... Uh, oh, I can't even remember his name. It's the... Steve it's, Perry. Uh, Steve no, Perry. Ronnie? Ron, not Ronnie. The one that I thought was the guy that is their camp counselor. Ricky and them yeah. count them yeah. counts count or camp counselor. I mean, dude that comes in wearing the fishnet T-shirt. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he he's the only one that seems to know which way is up. <laughs> you can tell by his clothing; he knows what's going on. <laughs> you betcha. <laughs> oh man, but yeah, they break out in a fist fight, and 
you know, like I said, the the, the counselor there grabs him and takes him back. And uh, this is where you get Paul kind of, you know, talking to Angie, trying to comfort her, and he tells her goodnight, and she says goodnight back. So we've got a breakthrough, folks. Angie's breaking loose, and she's Ooh. actually talking now. Oh, my Paul's goodness. all excited. Then it goes to the lakeside, where the dudes are still trying to get these girls to go skinny dipping with them. Now, I remember being at this age, and you tried <laughs> to, hey, I want to go skinny But never once was it when the girl said no, and you went ahead and went skinny dipping with a bunch of dudes anyway. <laughs> Something wrong with this. That is exactly what I was... Yeah, that was what I was going to say, man. I, never. Never in a million years if I get rejected. If I get rejected by a girl, am I going to look at my buddy and say, well, let's do it anyway. <laughs> never. Well, you know what's you know what's funny, too, is, is when the guys are standing there trying to coerce them into doing it, when the guys... Fight, he was cutting to the, the group of girls and then back to the guys... But, I mean, the girls were pretty indistinguishable from the guys. Right. Yeah. Very true. <laughs> there, I mean, there were, a few, there were a few of them that were pretty butch. Right. And you could tell, man, this you could tell that Bill, he just, there was something, like, not right up there for him. Because, I mean, he's sitting there, like, trying to be all sweet. Like, I mean, he's like, hey, guys, do you want to go some, do some skinny dipping with me and the boys? And one of them just says, I don't know. Not no. She never said no. I don't want to do that. And he's like, "Well, forget you then." <laughs> like, come on, man. <laughs> and while this is going on, you got uh, the guy in a blue oyster cult shirt, Kenny, and his buddy Becker smoking some pot, and they come out mm. and they try to do the same thing. Hey, anybody want to go in a canoe ride with me? And they're like, nope. And they said, but Leslie's on her way out. Oh, Leslie. And poor Leslie, man. She she comes out, ends up getting in a boat with Kenny. And uh, he starts trying to scare her about tipping the boat over and snapping turtles and water snakes will get her and all this stuff. I feel like these guys were equally as horny as they were stupid because he's out there, you know, under the moonlight on the lake with this girl and all he wants to do is just piss her right. off. Yeah. It's not, it's not trying to get close to her. It's like, let's make her mad. That means she likes me. And so then he goes, yeah. But then the part that makes me laugh about this whole scene is, like, he goes from... All right, so he tips the canoe over. All right, she gets mad, says, fuck you, Kenny, and swims off into the abyss. And even, and right, even she changes. Gets back up on, she even changes to a different person. Yeah, she's changes clothes. <laughs> yeah, she mad her nail, done did, a, done did a full... I mean, a full person change, shapeshifter-style <laughs> stuff. But what makes me laugh even more is this kid is underneath this this canoe... By himself, ain't nobody in sight, and he starts singing Lionel Hampton. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> to himself, like he's hey, like, "Hey, Bubba Ray Bob." I'm like, "What is going on?" Oh, hey, man. have you ever been in a capsized canoe? Have you heard the acoustics? They are the acoustics gorgeous. <laughs> I couldn't I mean, tell if he. Was, I, don't I know couldn't if you know this, but but well, Def Leppard Pyromania was recorded in a capsized canoe. <laughs> hey, True man. fact. Take that with you. <laughs> I mean, hey, I, I didn't know whether or not he was trying to be become a musician or if he was trying out for the Cobra Kai with that headband he had on. I mean, <laughs> oh man. And then also, like I said, he sees her swim off, and he goes up into the boat, and he's still and he's going. Hey, Leslie. And I'm like, dude, you saw her swim to the dock. You know she's not out there. She's gone, gone. Yeah, he's not the sharpest knife. <laughs> well, he has been smoking pot, and you know what that does to you kids. It, it impairs your judgment. So just take that as a lesson. 
But yeah, so while he's in this, you know, he's checking his acoustic sounds for his new album coming out, then all of a sudden you see a head pop up, and you you only get the backside of the head, so you don't know who it is. And he's like, oh, it's you. The guys will be intrigued knowing you're out here. And uh, next thing you know, uh, they start, I don't know, I think, I think, I think they killed Kenny. They killed Kenny! Oh, no. <laughs> Them bastards. <laughs> uh, uh, and the next morning... Oh, I love the next morning because you have yeah, me this too, guy. Man. <laughs> which guy is it? Is it... Which dude is the guy that I don't that's, really know which guy he is. He's, he's just pissed, pissed off because he's having to go out and clean up because Mel told, Mel told him to. Madder than hell, man. Yeah, madder than hell. And then he picks he that damn chair. So, he picks that, that chair up. Yeah, he goes, he goes, these damn kids! And throws that damn chair across <laughs> that, that lake. I'm just going to go ahead and say that Mel's probably hiring these people from like some kind of prison release program. <laughs> oh, yeah. But yeah, he goes over and he sees the boat and he rolls it over. And another great effect, man. You got uh, Dead Kenny here with a snake crawling out of his mouth. It still works, man. It still looks pretty good. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think I think the effects for 83, I think this still holds up. I'll definitely agree with you guys on the effects. Because me, I'm not as familiar with the older horror films, you know, and everything. But I just found out about Sleepaway Camp probably six months ago. And watching, I haven't seen all the wow. horror films that I have. Yeah. Yeah, like, I remember seeing still shots of Angela's face and everything like that, and everybody talking about the ending, and I was just like, wow, what's this movie about? And I ended up going to FYE and uh, buying this movie for, I think I paid $35 for it. I was just like, you know what? Screw it. I mean, this is, everybody talks about it. And uh, I remember watching it and seeing all the horror films that I'd seen. I was just like, wow, the, the effects are actually really, really good for this film. Let's talk about this scene, man, because this is where everybody's outside. They're pulling the dead body out of the boat. And Mel, man, at this point, you know, and the cop's going, I don't know, man. It looks pretty bad. And he's like, Mel's like, it was an accident. <laughs> I don't know, man. There's something funny. Going, it was an accident. Look, man, they could make a whole spinoff off of Mel, and I'd be a happy man. Like, I want to see what makes this man so obsessed with keeping this camp open. <laughs> <laughs> he is trying everything. He exactly, done had, man. He done had three kids die on his watch, and he's still like, it was an accident. I get the privilege of calling the parents and telling them. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the entire movie, all he cares about is is just letting the camp coast by enough so that he can get close to... It's Meg, right? Meg's the one that's into him? You oh, betcha. Man. You betcha. Yeah, I think he, he will let anything happen at this camp as long as he can get a little bit of Meg. <laughs> <laughs> man. That's the most disturbing thing in this movie, man. Absolutely. <laughs> the most disturbing of the ho- part of the whole movie is the fact that Meg is actually into him. It ain't just one sided. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, remember that dinner that you that you owe me? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Let me let me go back to my place and put on my green pants and my yellow shirt. And I'll be right over. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Hey, you know what makes you feel better after you've seen a, one of your dead friends pulled out of, out of the water? <laughs> Volleyball. <laughs> I just love how just instantly everybody's fine. We're playing volleyball. Everything's cool. Uh, you know, it's just it. It's just mind blowing, man. I, I love the mentality of this. Uh, Judy says, "Hey, why do we have to play volleyball?" And she can sit there and talk to the guys. I'm like, 
Really? You don't have to play volleyball. You can sit down too, you dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's making you play volleyball. What kills me though about this about this scene is uh, Angela is Ricky's cousin. All right, so you don't hear her say a word to Ricky through the whole film at all. But she's going to talk yeah. to uh, she's going to mm. talk to uh, Paul like it's all every day. Paul. Just hey. <laughs> And Paul's built up the courage to ask her to go to a movie that they were going to anyways. But, you know, <laughs> hey, we can, sit, we can sit together, you know. He's probably going, you can fondle my pickle. And she's probably going, if you only knew. <laughs> hey! <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yep. <laughs> and I love how she, I love how Angela busts him out about it, too. He's like, hey, would you like to go see a movie with me? And she's like, don't we already got to go see this movie? <laughs> he tries to play it all cool. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I just figure we could sit together. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she probably is, like, the smart, the smartest person in this movie. <laughs> Absolutely. Johnny is kind of like the, the dude in Demons that gets the tickets and he takes his wife to go see the movie. <laughs> hey, honey, look what I got. This is happy, happy anniversary. <laughs> Same mentality. Uh, this is also where we get the scene where Mozart's trying to catch a little sleep. And mm. the dudes are standing over him, and they put shaving cream in his hand. But they're being so loud, it's like, all right, now, don't wake him up! I'm like, dude, you're yelling. How are you not going to wake him up just from your talking? This scene, man, this scene was nuts just because it had me hollering. Because Mozart's sleeping, and they're doing the whole classic, you know, tickle his nose, and he comes up into the shaving cream. But... The biggest side role of this entire movie comes whenever Mozart gets pissed and jumps up and grabs Crocodile Dundee's knife. I mean, he pulls that junk out, and I mean, he he might as well have stopped and said, that's not a knife, this is a knife. And I mean, I was like, wow, that's a big blade to bring to camp. Again, red herring, man, just another one to throw in there. Mozart could be the one slashing people up with that knife. First there was Beethoven. Now there's Mozart. <laughs> Move over, Paul Hogan. Oh, uh, and this is this is where we get uh, the 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 other questions from Judy when we're back in the in the the cabin with the girls. Where Judy goes, "Hey, why do you always take a shower by yourself and not with the rest of the girls? Queer or something?" Like, which is actually kind of funny because it's like, <laughs> well. One thing you would think is like, oh, back then it was probably more normal, but like the girl that's calling you queer because you're not showering with the girls <laughs> is, I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it, it made sense to me. I mean, that was never a thing I enjoyed was, you know, hey, let's, you know, let's all go in here and shower together. Yeah, we're men. Yeah. <laughs> yeah never. No, <laughs> nah, that was not, that was not something I looked forward to. I was just like, nah, I'm good. You know, it's kind of like the skinny dipping thing after, you know, the girls <laughs> say no. It's just kind of like, no, nah, I don't want to do it right. anymore, kind of, you know. And then the, the part that makes me laugh is whenever Judy's like making fun of her, she's like, she hasn't even gotten uh, hair on her lady parts yet. I'm like, oh my lord. Leave <laughs> she that. She keeps on harping on on that too yeah <laughs> yeah she's proud she's a of carpenter's that. dream <laughs> <laughs> this is where we get the uh the walking outside and the water balloons these morons on, on top of a building dropping water balloons on people and they <laughs> and they nail angie and then rick goes into another andrew dice clay fit 
Absolutely, man. One of my favorite scenes in the whole damn movie. I love how he unleashes hell. I mean, and just drags out every damn word. I mean, you cocksuckers. Like, my lord, man. He run, he runs out of words. He uses he even throws a freaking in there, you know. <laughs> I had a grandfather that was like that, man. I mean, he he'd made up cuss words that nobody's ever said before. <laughs> you know? so, I've seen it happen in real life. So, but anyway, well, he's going off, and then you get Mel coming into the picture, and he's keeping his eye on Ricky now. He's not trusting Ricky. He thinks he's up to something, and uh, and then Mel. This is this is great. I love this. All right, where are we at? We're at summer camp, right? It's the middle of summer, supposedly. <laughs> and he tells Angie she needs to go back and change because she might get you know, <laughs> <laughs> For, Like, she, dude, it's I a mean, water she, balloon. You she's know? not that wet. <laughs> <laughs> she took one water balloon to the collar, and, I mean, she is just going to catch pneumonia and die. <laughs> and this, this next scene is probably one of my favorite because it's just the most weird excuse to make a scene. You get the shirtless dude running full speed to the cabin, runs in and casually asks his buddies, Hey, what are you guys up to? Oh, we're going to go play some baseball. Hey, I need to take a wicked dump. It's <laughs> <laughs> <was> like, what? <laughs> I mean, he was running full speed. Was he running because he really needed to go? Or, I don't, I don't understand. I mean, when you start looking at it, you're like, did he jar something that made him have to go during the run? Yeah. I can't. And I like it because he goes in there and sits down, and uh, it's going back to talking about the red herrings, man. Uh, you know, he's sitting right. in there. He's sitting there and taking that awesome wicked dump, you know, reading whatever he's reading on the pot. And uh, you, see, you see that broom handle come across, and then what happens is the screen behind him, you see none other than either Crocodile Dundee or Mozart's knife cutting right. that thing. So there's your red there herring, you, you know. Obviously, shirtless dude is a nice built-up dude, but he's not the smartest because I believe at that age, I probably could have slid underneath the stall to get out. Just saying. Well, he was probably in there reading highlights. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just love the fact that he that he was banging on the door, and I'm like, dude, just squat mm-hmm. down and go underneath. It's it's well, you know. Did you notice also that the that the broom was like literally just one splinter away from just sha- like snapping right. in half? It's a, just right. give it one more shove, dude. Just one more shove. Well, you had to have that so the body could fall out and you could see the effects. Again, good effects. You know, it, it still works. The crush really ripped this off, man. That's all I can say. Should have uh, should have let him hang out with Chris Farley for a day, and he would have taught him how to get away from bees and all that good stuff. This guy puts the B in BM. <laughs> Do the BM. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so we got another body on our hands now that got stung to death by a, a bee's hornet nest. I mean, because it's a hornet's nest that we threw in, but it's bees. Which you see no bees when the hornet's nest is dropped. It's just a hornet's nest. He must have had, like, some kind of allergy or something, because I don't think that many stings would just kill a person. I don't know. I don't I don't know. Macaulay Culkin took a lot of them, and that was pretty quick. He took a lot of what? <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> he took a lot of bees. <laughs> but that is, that's another one of those scenes where the, the effects really held up. Like, it was, it was, I mean, it was candy, it was candy man before... Candyman was cool. So when this is going on, then we get another flash. We get we get a scene where uh, Paul and Angie are down messing around at the beach, 
and he starts making his move on her. Oh, the beach. and starts <laughs> he starts like <laughs> wanting to undo her shirt, and we get a flashback. This this could be an Italian film because they have flashbacks like this, and you're just like, yeah, I don't know what that was. <laughs> I have no idea. But basically, what we saw was. And it's the dudes that was standing on the beach, right? Which apparently, now I'm, I'm just piecing this together. That's what I was saying earlier. I'm not exactly sure on this, but I think this was the husband of the doctor, the the mom. Is that, Am I right on this? I'm pretty sure. Oh, I don't know. I've never, I never put that together. That's kind of what I got out of it, is he was messing around with this dude. And, of course, the kids are, like, looking and seeing them in bed together, and they're, like, giggling and stuff. And of course, they don't know, you know, anything's... I guess they just think it's kind of funny. I don't know. But then you get the weird scene where they're they're in the bed, and I, I think the the boy's trying to like touch her arm or something, and she freaks out and snaps out of it and takes off running and says she's got to go. And Paul's left, you know, with the blues. <laughs> oh no, not the blues! I figured maybe the guy that was in bed with their dad was um, maybe like studying to be a doctor, and he was trying to take his temperature. Is that what we're going with? <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know. No. But yeah, no, I never really did put together that that could be the the aunt's husband. Well, it's just I remember that guy yelling at the guy when he's on the boat with the kids and saying, "Come on, we gotta go. The doc, we're gonna go see the doctor or something to that extent." So it's almost like they were they obviously knew each other. They were dressed alike, and I think it was the same dude as in the bed with him. That's that's kind of what oh, I would no no it is it is the same dude for sure. Either that really happened or it was just a fever dream. I don't know, folks. You let me know. (laughs) And if you don't know, now you know. You know. (laughs) Right. And you know what happens next is whenever somebody gets killed by a bunch of bees, you just call everybody together and you say, Hey, kids, let's play Capture the Flag. <laughs> I'm noticing a pattern here. I mean, it, it seems like, you know, these kids either have no fucking emotion in them or <laughs> they're just not worried about a thing. Yep, it's not going to happen to me. What no, wasn't me. Let's move on. Well, well, Ricky and Angela aren't part of the Capture the Flag game, but it's weird because they're, it's like they're just walking down the road and they're like, hey, why don't we sneak off this way through the woods to capture their flag from behind? I'm like, are you guys playing? I didn't know you guys were part of this. <laughs> you weren't even at the meeting when they were describing all of it. I mean, so yeah, I always thought that was weird too. But you had to do that because they had to cut through the woods. So that way you could see Judy's been messing around with Paul, which makes everybody mad. Now Rick's mad because Judy's messing around with his buddy, which she's messing around with everybody, man. She's just, you know, she she's just a how. Well, and if Ricky looks young, I think Paul looks even younger than Ricky, and and Judy could be his, you know, I don't know, mom. <laughs> hey, look though, to right. to Ricky's yeah. to Ricky's chagrin, man, that boy, he is the smallest kid in the whole movie, but that boy will fight anybody. I mean, he will go <laughs> tooth and nail with anybody. I mean, hey, he gets an award from me for sure. Everybody's hot and bothered. Everybody's mad at each other. We get another scene down at the side of the lake where the kids are playing the next day. And this is where they basically are being bullies to Angie again. And, and Meg picks her up and takes her down and is going to dump her in the water. And also at this time, this is where uh, Mel has really got it in his head that Rick's the one that's behind all this stuff that's going on. So he starts keeping his eye on him. 
Well, Rick sees what's going on with Angie. He starts running down to try to help Ange, and then Mel grabs him. Where are you going? You're not going anywhere. I mean, it's just like, wow, this is He's so forceful, crazy. man. Mel, yeah. Mel's like shaking a man. His, his camp's at risk, man. He's already lost three people. He don't want to lose 25 more. <laughs> <laughs> I would think the relationship between him and somebody who's 60 years younger would probably put the camp more at risk than a few deaths. <laughs> 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 they end up throwing an engine in the water, and it doesn't go well. Rick goes down and, and gets away and actually gets her out. And then you get, you get this group of kids. I don't know, mm. five or six kids that are just throwing sand at them. And it's yeah. like, man, how how low down the pole have you got to be when the littlest kids there even pick on you? <laughs> it's pretty bad. Well, Ricky uh, yells at the little kids, too. I can't remember what he says, but it's pretty funny. Oh, yeah. I would almost I would almost say he probably called him yeah. a cocksucker or something. I mean, there's it's got to be that's a that is a common common thing I'm seeing. And then, like we said earlier, this is where we have another social, and this is where Meg approaches Mel, and she's she's into Mel, man. She wants the cigar, mm-hmm. and, uh, <laughs> the whole thing. She goes home, or she goes back to to the to the cabin to get ready. Goes to the shower. And this is where she does her singing debut as well because, you know, the acoustics. And while she's in the shower, of course, you're going to get another POV here. And again, we have to talk about the strength of this person. Because <laughs> you, you don't open the, the, the shower curtain and commence to stabbing. You stab, you stab through the wall. Through, <laughs> you stab through the wall into the person and then drag it down, cutting both the metal and the person. Well, you had yeah. to you had to do that because if he would have if if whoever is killing these kids would have went through the curtain, it would have been kind of psycho. See what I did there? Very much, very <laughs> much, very much. We're talking about we're talking about twelve and thirteen year old kids here. It's not having the strength. I mean, I couldn't that I know of take a knife and jab it through a piece of sheet metal and cut through the sheet metal. Just the sheet metal, not a person. So, and then drag it one foot down. Yeah. yeah. So, hey, we're, we're talking about somebody. Either this person is so full of anger that it put, puts them at a, like Jason Voorhees strength. <laughs> so that scene with, him, uh, with uh, Meg getting stabbed and stuff, it was kind of gory for, for even that film. Sure. I mean, even the stabbing, I was kind of like, wow, this is kind of making me even me uncomfortable to watch because it was i mean you see a close-up of paul hogan's knife i mean jabbing jabbing meg i mean it was it was pretty pretty uh pretty gory for what what they were trying to do in this film then you get the uh the nonchalant i'm gonna wash my knife off but nah i'm not really gonna wash my knife off (laughs) (laughs) it's like "Eh, there's a little water Eh, that's good enough i'm done and like I said, at this point, you got Mel all spruced up, man. He's got on his, his yellow jacket, his yellow members-only jacket, and his green pants. Strolling around, strutting like a cock, looking for Meg. <laughs> he goes and finds Judy and says, uh, and she's in there, again, messing around with another dude, man. She's just nonstop. <laughs> and he hides under the bed, and uh, he's like, hey, uh, have you seen Meg? And she says, last time I saw her, she went to the shower. So, come on, guys. You got to talk about this. When he <laughs> when he goes to the shower, and I don't know how she stood up this long <laughs> and waited for him to show up just so she could fall out. She falls out of the shower, 
<laughs> and his dialogue right here, man, is just, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Oh, God, he's, man. <laughs> oh, oh. He's, and he's not, he's not even really reacting. He's just like, I'm going to get whoever this was. They're not going to get away with this. I promise, Meg. I don't I know promise. who it is, but I'm going to find He looks like one of the puppets from the Land of Confusion video. <laughs> but then i mean the next thing that that got me was the next scene and that this is i'm going back to shock factors like i was talking about you got these kids yeah, you got the yeah. same children who i were throwing sand on angie at the beach i mean these kids are throwing it i mean she is so low and done disappeared well, anyway, so you got the camp counselor who takes these kids to go camping out in the middle of the woods. First off, I don't give a damn if it's 1953, 1976, 1999. Who is going to send some people, some kids that are that are at this camp by permission slip with no tents out to camp? I mean, come on, man. Like, you're going to send these kids out here with hey, no man. protection. It's the 80s, man. We weren't pansies. I mean, shit, apparently. <laughs> Even I wanted a tent, though. I mean, <laughs> but, well, what was the reasoning? Why did the, the counselor guy leave the kids alone? Because if you remember, the, the kids, there was two kids that got scared out there or something, and they wanted to go back to camp. Mm-hmm. And so he was like, okay, I'll take they them. They wanted to go back and sleep in the car, they said. Yes. Yeah, he was taking them to a car to sleep in. I'm like, when did this even come into play? <laughs> so then they go back, and you see the, he leaves these three kids, or like four or five, in the middle of the woods. Whenever there's been five deaths up to this point, I mean, that's a wonderful decision. But, man, he comes back. He comes uh, back from dropping these kids off, and they are slaughtered in their sleeping bags. Yep. Shock factor number Vince three. Me. I mean, man, like, <laughs> they are killing kids off in this movie now. Like, you're you're going. You're going oh, for it. Yeah. But 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 right. something happens. Something happens between uh, that scene and <laughs> right. it is it is one of my favorite moments of the movie where um, yep. Judy's sitting on her bed in the you know pitch black darkness you know as women do when they want to curl their hair. <laughs> she's she's got a, a curling iron and and uh, you see the door swing open to the room and it's really weird because they show. It's almost, mm-hmm. especially if you see like the Scream Factory uh, release of this, it's really kind of lit up pretty well to where you see the killer. Absolutely, but right. there's a little, there's a little bit of, I don't know, like I don't know if these, if they superimposed images and had two different people there because when they have that, I don't know, it almost looks like Ricky in a wig standing there when they show that. Yep. Um, but yep. anyway, the 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 killer comes up to Judy and you see. Everything from sh- from the shadow on the wall, but you see, and I don't know where that shadow is coming from because it's dark in there. But you you see the 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 curling iron come up in the air and then swoop down right between the legs, and she gets just a coochie full of flat iron. <laughs> and there it is, ladies and gentlemen, shock factor number four. <laughs> well, and, and you know, honestly, th- there's a lot to unpack in this movie, especially dealing with everything that's going on um especially when it's like sexual in nature which we could talk about once we get to the 
the big reveal. But yeah, there's stuff in this movie where it's like, whoa, <laughs> that is intense. <laughs> it was so ahead of its time. Yeah, and it's very suggestive because you really don't see this, but you know what's going on, right? Oh, it's yeah. kind of like it's kind of like in The Exorcist, right? When she's stabbing herself, you you know you know where things are going, <laughs> and uh, yeah, man, and and you got to think about this too because you're talking about you know because they went back and restored it and cleaned it up when this movie was made, you know, you barely even had the VCR movement going on, so chances of seeing this movie more than once or twice in this time frame was going to be very odd. So, you know, you imagine seeing this in the theater and it's real grainy and you're not going to Oh, it be was dark. Make, it was a really dark yeah, movie on VHS. You're not going to be able to you're not going to be able to make out kind of what's going on. So, thanks to our technology we have now where we can clean up everything, you can actually go, "Oh, yeah, that doesn't look as good as it used to." Because we've taken some of that away, some of the dirt and grime that that kind of hid some things. But uh yeah, I mean, you can still kind of make out, and that's probably on purpose, because they kind of want to start giving you something. Speaking of giving you something, <laughs> this is where we get, <laughs> Rick has gone back to uh, get him some food because he's hungry and on the way out. This is where Mel jumps him and takes him out to the middle of the woods and just beats the snot <laughs> out of him, man. <laughs> and I'm like, man, how can, imagine doing that in a movie now. Where a camp he leaves them for dead, dude. Like, <laughs> I mean, they, they basically leave you to believe. They lead you to believe that rookie is beaten to death by you know Grandpa Scroggins out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to think about it. I mean, he's running this place. He's lost two or three kids already. But Meg was the tipping point, man. When he lost Meg, all bets are off, man. So from this point on, the killer is probably male at this point. He's probably killing everybody because Meg's gone. That's my oh, theory. Oh, yeah, dude. He harshed his poon. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Not the poon. And then by the time he found Judy, I mean, that was already occupado. He gets through waylaying Rick, man. I mean, just beats him up real bad. And Mel walks away and you hear him go, Oh, it's you! And you get a shot of the bow and arrow. And then no Mel gets it right through the neck. So, yeah, Love man. It, and that's... I tell you what. Still looks great. Awesome. Still looks awesome great. Awesome and uh, this cuts away to the counselors and the cops that get together and start looking for I mean, this dude's flashlight, man. The cop's flashlight at this point. I'm like, what, is he going to land an airplane with that thing? I mean, what is that? <laughs> Can we talk about that cop's, like, electrical tape mustache? <laughs> <laughs> like, what the hell you was that? You have to, man. You have to. <laughs> so the story is is the the actor got a job for something else and he had to shave the mustache for it but he had to come back and do a, some pickup shots <laughs> so he just basically put some tape on his face <laughs> oh man it was samurai cop all over again <laughs> samurai cop man <laughs> oh man that's but you know the thing is though like like this this movie though man like i feel like it it, it keeps the same level of integrity through the entire thing until that asshole walks back onto the set with that mustache. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, come on, man. Just Why couldn't he just not have a mustache? <laughs> I'd rather uh, I'd rather just right. think the cop shaved than have, you know, electrical tape on his face. <laughs> and what's amazing is this point right here, we keep talking about the Italian flicks, but this kicks into Italian high gear when they go, oh, okay, yeah. we've, got, we've got two and a half minutes of film left. And that's Exposition. counting the credits. <laughs> so we've got to wrap this thing up quick. So all at the same time, 
you get uh, Angie and Paul going down the lake, getting ready to go skinny dipping. She's telling him to take his clothes off, and Paul's just all over it, man. He's taking off the clothes. And then you got a cop. The cop finds Rick laying down there, conked out. And then you, He's alive. you get the counselor that finds, yeah. And then you get the counselor that finds Judy, who's under the bed, because that's where you hide people when you stab them in the cooch. Um, <laughs> you know, and, that's where I then, hide people when I stab them in the cooch. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know you get uh, what this movie is known for, which is where the counselor and and uh, the Italian stallion walk up on the beach and say, "Hey, look, it's Ange," and she's sitting there and she's petting. Paul on the head, and she's humming just like everybody does in this movie. Hey, Bobbery Bob! <laughs> hey, hey, Bobbery Bob! <laughs> and then you realize realize that Paul's head's not attached to his body. Right, 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 right. And we get another. We get the flashback of what really happened, and it goes back to the crazy mom of Rick, who uh, always wanted to raise a girl, and need, needless to say. Angie's not a girl. It's a dude that has been brainwashed to think that she's or he's a girl. Did that make, did that make sense? Not really brainwashed as much as a, it, basically it was kind of a force thing. Like you just like this is force, you're my yeah. daughter now. <laughs> it's really twisted. It's really bothersome. Not necessarily the part of jumping up and you realize it's a it's a guy, but just the fact of how disturbing that is that a person can will that decision on people i mean that to me that's as scary as anything it's it's outlandish it's kind of dream state-ish when you go this because it is like a flashback kind of thing and uh i don't know man it's pretty disturbing and then like i said angie jumps up she's a literature fan because she's there letting people straighten out her longfellow (laughs) (laughs) and she's got the head she's got the head in her hand of uh paul right and the knife and that that expression, which everybody knows now is a mask. They didn't, you know, they, it wasn't a prosthetic on her. That was actually a dude that they paid <laughs> to wear this mask and stand there, who is still anonymous, will not come out. I think it's the whistleblower. Um, <laughs> won't reveal themselves to the public. Uh, I think that's kind of a cool thing. But this this ending, I mean, what can you say? It is, it is a iconic ending to this movie, which makes this movie stand out beyond anything else, because no other movie's really done this, <coughs> crying game, <coughs> but uh, <laughs> the impact of that, and the credits roll right after, in true Italian style, Oh, you know, man, it just cuts to the credits, the credits left going, whoa, <laughs> that last scene, man, that the credits rolling, <laughs> and then you get the, you get the, the theme song, I mean, I, I would you call it a theme right. song for Sleepaway Camp, I mean, sure, um, it's, yeah. Very eerie. And Angie's got a wing. <laughs> Angie's got a wing. So run away, run away from the wing. <laughs> but no, like it is. It's so cool because like like you said, her facial expression is eerily creepy. I mean, yeah. in every every way, shape, and form. And I want I wish I know they talked about that it that it's a prosthetic and everything else, or it's a it's a mask and all that. I want to know what the director told Felisa Rose to get her to make that face, like to to be able to make this mask. I mean, did he just say, "Give me the craziest look you can possibly come up with"? Because 
this that face is what made me want to watch Sleepaway Camp. It was sure. so insane. A- absolutely. Well, and she's so absolutely. she's so like timid and shy and stuff through the whole movie. So when you finally see this expression, it's like holy shit! Yeah. <laughs> like that is really right. off-putting. Such an awesome, yeah. such an awesome way so, to yeah, end man. the film. There's there's not another one like it. I mean it 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 feels like. Friday the 13th, it, it has that whole feel, and again, oh, here we go, here's another cabin movie, out in the woods, you know, Crystal Lake, all that kind of stuff, but, you know, it, it's really the <laughs> it's really the twist of the characters that makes this thing work, and, and I'm really, really surprised that somebody hasn't remade this now, being that this is a social thing we talk about all the time now, about people being confused about what they are, I mean, well, this movie no. just screams. Oh, totally. For that ability, yeah. Oh yeah, it's 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 very uh, current. But one thing this was going to say earlier about um, a lot of the stuff to unpack with this movie is for me. I mean, it, it touches on so much of that. Like you know, uh, her the way she kills Judy. You know, um, I think that yeah. was like a like a form of resentment or something. Sure. And then and then sure. you know just th- through the whole movie though, like like the way she deals with Paul, the way she. You know, um, I don't know. It's just you, you got to get into that headspace of a boy who was, I don't know what, like eight or nine years old, and then all of a sudden he's thrown his life's thrown into upheaval, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, you're a girl now because your crazy aunt wanted a girl. So, right, yeah, right. it's just yeah. There's just so much going on in this movie. I mean, I bet you, I bet you, there's a lot of really deep shit flowing through this movie. <laughs> there's got to be. I mean, and it's so cool. Johnny, you, you've talked about it the whole episode, you know, um, the red herrings. I mean, and it's going back to me saying it's the most unpredictable, predictable movie I've probably ever seen because yep. you go through the whole movie and you, you, you pretty much know that An- Angie is the killer. I mean, it, it, it's in some way, shape, or form, you're like, there's got to be something that has to do with her. There's got to be something. She's got to be the reason that this is all happening. But then there's so many different factors in every single scene that's in this movie that makes you suggest maybe she's not and then at the very end you get hit with the whammy or the wang whichever one you want to say and (laughs) the wangy yeah and there it is she's she is the killer the thing you've been thinking about the whole movie has actually happened and has actually come to fruition well even by the 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 time though that that my wife uh like figured out that she was the killer she's like oh she is the killer and i'm like oh yeah but you haven't figured it out yet like there's still more (laughs) there's still more i mean this movie puts the dick in unpredictable (laughs) (laughs) oh now that's a quote (laughs) that should have been on the dvd box (laughs) well i I wrote this down too i said uh how ironic is it we're talking about all the red herrings but is it uh, is it ironic that the killer's name really is Peter? <laughs> <laughs> I, I never even thought about that. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> so, all right, we're going to give this movie a rating. And what we're going to do, folks, and this is for all of our listeners and all of our guests that are coming up, it's basically the, I'm going to say it, the Duncan McLeish uh, list of how we rate things. It's going to be one through five, five being the best, you liked it the most, to one being you didn't like it at all. Except we're not going to say stars or whatever. We're going to say whatever kind of ties into the movie. So, uh, Johnny, go ahead. You can go first, buddy. I would give this movie a solid five, solid five wieners. 
what you got, Levi? What do you think about it? Oh, man. So, it's no secret this is my favorite film of all time. Absolutely. So, I am going to obviously have to give this film uh, a solid five uh, hair straighteners to put into this uh, bag of ratings. I'm gonna be the lame one here. I'm gonna give it. Uh, I'm gonna give it. Uh, let's see here. I'm gonna give it four. Hey, Bobbery Bobs. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, man. You, you know, we've kind of been dancing all around this as well. But I kind of got this thing that we're gonna do is called. What does it mean? You know, what do you think? I and mean, we all know they're horror movies, but in the psyche of the whole thing, you know, I love the idea of we watch horror movies and we create horror to help us deal with. The real horrors in life. And if you believe it or not, every one of these movies is a story that ties into something into your psyche of what you're trying to get across. So that's what I ask you guys. What what do you think this all means? I mean, to you, what do you walk away from this movie saying, this movie is about this? Oh, I, I think honestly, I mean, at, at, the, at the root of this movie, it's about being the outcast and about... Um I don't know, maybe that, that division and that feeling of loneliness and ultimately a right. pretty gnarly rebellion. Sure. What do you think, Levi? Um, I'm going to hit a little left field with mine. Uh, to me, what it means is it it shows the strength and the impression that you can have on children. I mean, uh, you had this child who was so mentally just strained and, and deranged from the horrors that happened in his or her, whatever whatever you want to say, life, younger life, that uh, she was able to be brainwashed into thinking that, or she or he was able to be brainwashed into thinking that it, uh, it was something that it, she wasn't. And it just shows that the power and the uh, impact you can have on a child's life. Yeah, and that, that's kind of what I get from it too. I mean, I, I think all three of us are kind of saying the same things. It's, it's, it's uh, the scariest thing about this is not the effects we saw or the fact of there's a killer running around doing this stuff. What's scary is the fact that people can be manipulated to a point to being something that they were never intended to be, and we see a life that's full of that, man. I mean, we've got things all the time telling us what we should be, what we shouldn't be, and people judge you on that so this movie has a lot to do with we said it earlier bullying and the effect it has on people but you also get the reaction of that and i really think that's where this thing hits home being comfortable with who you are is such a scary thing because half the time you don't really know who you are and it takes time to develop that and when you've got people you pulling you in different directions even to the point of brainwashing you you know that's that's scarier than a lunatic with a knife. Dude, I think, uh, you know, if you want to think about another completely different but equally as horrifying of a, a movie, man, I think that if they were to have a prequel to something like this and just show you the life that Angela had at home with her aunt and her cousin, man, I mean, sure. it's, it's like probably like some people under the stairs kind of stuff going on there. Exactly. Like just some that really or, you know, like mommy, attic. yeah, mommy dearest flowers in the attic. Just very just yeah. psychotic, emotional. <laughs> I said abusive. no more wieners. Oh, <laughs> 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 oh man, good stuff. So, 
you folks out there, you saw us posted on the Facebook page or the Facebook group, and we've got to, we asked for your comments on this movie, and uh, a lot of it ties into I was asked about uh, what you think about the movie, first time you saw it. Uh, for me personally, first time I saw this, very young age, and uh, the iconic poster was hanging up in the VHS store, you know, a little mom and pop store. And yeah, you had to watch it. I mean, the the knife going up through the bottom of the tennis shoe was just a selling point for me. And wow, how little that had to do with what was going on. <laughs> what about you, Johnny? When's the first time you saw it? Oh, I mean, definitely at uh, way too young of an age. I mean, when I was growing up, we had a, a video store called Florida Video that was just a uh, little mom-and-pop shop. And uh, I would go in there on the weekends, you know, with money I made from you know, cleaning at my grandma's house or something and pick up a different horror movie based on the way the cover looked because, you know, I was, I, I was probably saw this at like eight. I saw this really young. Um, and wow. Yeah. I mean, this is one of those movies that it sticks with you as a kid. It's kind of funnier. Um, I mean, as an adult, you, sure. you, you, you get a lot more of what they're, they're, um, portraying in this movie. But as a kid, you like, you watch it, and, and then with that, that finale, you're like, oh, they just showed a dong. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and then, and then Levi, you said you just saw it just not too long ago. So it's amazing that this movie can still pack that kind of punch. Absolutely. You know? All right, well, I'm going to read some of these that uh, you guys uh, put out there. So let's see how this goes. Uh, first one you got was from uh, my buddy Cameron Scott. It says, uh, this is one of the first horror films I remember seeing. I distinctly recall renting it based off the VHS cover alone. There you go. Same same impact. Uh, the movie and the whole series, really. Uh, he said, I hold it in the highest regard uh, as a slasher series. The original movie, uh, to this day, is the wildest WTF ending ever. Like ever, ever. <laughs> says, hands down, scarred me for life. And as a person to know it, I got to finally meet Felissa Rose last year at a convention and she was the sweetest lady in the world and it says uh discussing that ending with angela herself is quite surreal yeah you hear that a lot i mean she is super approachable super nice and uh i know that levi's already you know said how much he would love to meet her and it'll happen dude i promise i hope so (laughs) man i am like i said this this movie is it holds such a special place you know, in my heart and all that stuff for being a horror fan, <laughs> fan and everything. So to meet the star of that film would will be awesome. I, I love this next one is where Johnny Krug put it out there, and it's, it's the guy from uh, <laughs> uh, something about Mary, and this is, "Have you seen my wiener?" <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. All right. Next up is Jamie McCauley. Uh, says uh, I only saw this for the first time earlier this year. After my boss loaned me the trilogy. Yikes. Your boss. Cool boss. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> His name wasn't Mel, was it? I hope not. <laughs> it's an accident. <laughs> Funny story regarding that actually he, he bought the movies online from either eBay or Amazon, but uh, from a foreign seller from Spain, I think. And said one of the discs, I think uh, the first, but I can't remember 100%. But when I put it into my Xbox, I remember it being taken surprise when the BBC logo appeared. Uh, I'm thinking to myself, wouldn't have expected to see the BBC fi- uh, finance an 80s slasher movie. Very good point, because you know that was such a uh, a big deal with all the video nasties back in the day. This and, one, yeah, uh, for sure, would the, like make that cut. Jane Austen's uh, Emma, 
the disc had been given also the correct box, uh, correct print was clearly not what he ordered. <laughs> Turned out he never actually watched the movies since he bought them. Wow. So, yeah, it sounds like it was kind of a, a rip-off box set that they got there. Uh, appreciate you sending that in, Jamie. Uh, next up is my buddy Jeff X. Martin. Uh, great podcaster in his own right. I mean, he and I, we talk all the time. Says, everybody talks about how grateful this Rose is in this movie. And that's the right thing to do. But I feel special attention should be given to Carol Robinson, who portrays Dolores, the water skier at the beginning of the film. <laughs> Her performance is delight, the delightfully uh, histronic, even even more so than the group of water skiers being chased by the great white shark in, in Jaws 3D. Yeah, very good point. Robinson got to scream, uh, got to scream the lines. There's there's a boat. Oh my God, we're going to hit it. <laughs> then my favorite line of the movie: "Won't somebody help them fast?" <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean that performance. What can you say? Definitely stands out. Uh, another buddy, uh, Matthew Tangent, says, "I always saw the cover of Sleepaway Camp at the video store and was intrigued. Finally saw them uh, a used copy for sale for like two bucks and picked it up. I believe I was like fifteen or so." Uh, thanks to the lack of social media back then, it wasn't spoiled for me. I remember thinking it was an okay movie. I didn't, I didn't enjoy it as much as the Friday the 13th franchise. Then it got to the ending, and I just <laughs> sat there, jaw gaped, questioning, what did I just watch? <laughs> In fact, I immediately rewatched the whole movie and dug it uh, so much more the second time. That that ending just really brings it home, and you, it's like I said, it's that M Night Shyamalan thing where you got to go back and watch it again and see what you missed. Dude, uh, I saw this with a full audience at Camp Hack and Slash back in uh, 2003. It was the world premiere of Freddy vs. Jason, and they wow. played this. They played this in Madman afterwards, but seeing this with a full oh, yeah. audience was awesome. Dude. I can imagine. I mean, they were just... It was a riot. It was so cool. All right, I'm going to screw his name up, but my buddy Joseph... I'll just say Joseph Z. Zabidjian. Zabidjian. I don't know. He told me how to say it once, and I screw it up. This guy is practically my long-lost brother. I mean, it's amazing. We both post things, and we're like... We feel exactly the same way about everything. It's like just finding the other version of myself. So sorry I'm screwing up your name, brother. But uh, he's he's planning on coming on the show sometime with us. Uh, it says, uh, I want a sequel that's nothing but Aunt Martha. <laughs> I could watch her writing a shopping list. One of the most fascinating characters in horror history. I think it backs up what we were saying earlier, guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Apparently, I, yeah. and I, I mean, I'm sure it's uh, the our good success of this oh. being more of a cult movie you know, in the past couple decades, but she's done a lot of stuff recently. Um, I wonder if it's just, you oh, yeah. know, based... Yeah, without a doubt. You know. And it's funny, when you see her in interviews and she doesn't act all crazy, you're like, oh, come on, you're ruining the magic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought they just found some really batty woman on the side of the road. All right, my, our good friend uh, Gary Hill says, let's face the facts, Judy's side pony is the star of the movie. <laughs> she also has one of the best deaths. Yeah, yeah, I mean, hey, between Judy's side pony and uh, Ronnie's shorts, I mean, there's there's the two stars right there. Bill Casanelli says, uh, I told Felissa that uh, I had the poster on my bedroom wall growing up while we were eating breakfast at Denny's uh, while she was my co-star in Scary Tales 2. 
Found out that she lived 15 minutes away from me growing up on, on Long Island. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, cool. we. Yeah, I think uh, Levi kind of, yeah, was getting into talking to him about that. So yeah, Bill's. I, I said Bill is a is a legend among among us mortals around here. So uh, my buddy Mark Allison, who's one of the people on Hail Ming Power Hour, uh, he says I really like Sleepaway Camp when I first saw it. I was never going to be a big time player in the horror genre, but it wasn't uh, one to be ignored either. I feel like it's a little engine that could, it's the little engine that could of horror. The final shot of Angela is probably the best scene in 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 the film. Sticks with you a long time. <laughs> really? And he even says the precursor to the M Night Shyamalan twist. So uh, yeah, he's kind of on the same page there of you know how this thing just really made an impact, even though. It's it's still low budget, and that's the thing you're going to discover, Levi. When we go through these, we're going to bring up these movies and show them to you. And you're probably not going to be impressed by ninety percent of the movie, but there's going to be something in these movies that you just haven't seen anywhere else. And that's you know kind of like with the zombie flick that I, I, I let him borrow zombie Fulci's zombie the other day, nice. which he had never seen. It's and awesome. uh, you know what can you say the the zombie versus the shark and the eyeball scene. Is worth the price of it. Oh, easily. Easily. So, easily. <laughs> uh, I got one more here from Stephen White, uh, another good buddy man, another good podcaster. Uh, he's wanting to come on the show as well. Says, uh, the opportunity to watch this film never came up until the late 2000s. I was trying to catch up on a slew of 70s and 80s horror flicks, and I had missed this one through the years. So I put it in my Netflix rotation, and it says disc, not streaming. So he's old school Netflix. Uh, eventually it came out. And I put it on one evening. When I finished, I had a feeling I had not felt in a while from one of these flicks because that ending messed me up. <laughs> that said, I made it my mission to show it as many people as I could. I also learned that years later that the the cut I originally watched had removed most of the gore. That's right. You got the uh, the old, was it Anchor Bay version? That no, Anchor had Bay all the scenes had, that were, that were kind of... The, the ones that were kind of fuzzy? Like Somebody had cut out some of the gore scenes, like you didn't see the snake come out, the snake come out of his mouth, and that stuff was taken out. I didn't. Yeah, I don't think it was the Anchor Bay remember, one. I, I thought their stuff was uncut. Was. It felt fairly light uh, for the time, but I assumed it was budgetary. Uh, true. Anyways, Angela's final freeze frame has become iconic for me, and something I used to make people uncomfortable. I used to make people <laughs> uncomfortable on a regular basis. Yeah, I can imagine, especially if people have not seen this movie and you go. Oh, you think that's messed up? Watch this scene. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Watch me reenact this scene. That's probably even scarier. Don't do that, Stephen. So there you go, folks. That's all the comments. Hey, we appreciate you taking the time, giving us those stories. I did a terrible job reading them. But, uh, hey, that's me. That's what you get paid for, right? Please share that stuff with us. If Even now, if you've got comments that you want to add to that, go on the Facebook group, jump in there. Let us know what you think about this stuff. Let us know what you think about this show. Because we're just getting this thing going like a blind man in an orgy. We're just going to have to feel things out. So, folks, I hope you enjoyed this. Hey, let us know what you think about everything. If you've got recommendations that you want us to cover. I know we got a slew of people that are, that are lined up to come on. Uh, if everything goes well next week... We should have uh, an episode where we cover the 1979 movie Prophecy. That's right, the mutated bear movie. And the other mutated bear that's going to be joining us is Legion's very own Bo Ransdale. But yeah, man, I, I'm tickled to death. I love working with Bo. And uh, that's a movie that he and I just both really treasure. So that's going to be fun to talk about. That's the plan. If everything goes right, that's what we'll be covering. You never know. Things may change. But that's the plan. Drop us a line. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter. 
Check out all the other Legion shows, too. And like I said, join us on the Facebook group page. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. All right, fellas, I tell you what, this has been a whole bunch of fun. I, I thank y'all for hanging out with me, man, because, you know, this show just really got boring by itself. So, Johnny, man, appreciate you coming on board. Levi as well, man. I, I think this is going to be a lot of fun. And, oh, yeah, uh, totally. Had a good time. Looking forward to it. Uh, all right, well, folks, that's going to be it for us. Take it easy. Sayonara. All right, bye, guys. Peace. <laughs>